right? I think it's going to be older people. It's going to be people in their 40s and 60s and, and, and 80s, you know, who finally prefer a little marijuana to that drink in the evening or the sleeping pill or that it helps with their uh, arthritis or diabetes or maybe helps spice up a long-term marriage. We rang Channel 4's production company saying this would certainly spice things up a bit. Many viewers like Gail would be surprised if they knew how much fakery there is in wildlife films. Fakery that goes beyond simple sound effects. Film producers routinely make up fake stories, rent captive animals and pretend they're wild and, and, wild and use computer-generated imagery to spice up the footage. G'day guys and welcome to Aussie English. My objective here is to teach you guys the English spoken down under. So whether you want to speak like a fair income Aussie or you just want to understand what the flippin' hell we're on about when we're having a yarn, you've come to the right place. So sit back, grab a cuppa and enjoy Aussie English. G'day you mob, what's going on? Welcome to this episode of Aussie English. My name is Pete, I'm your host. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the Aussie English Podcast. My goal here is to help you improve your listening skills, your understanding of Australian English, but more so your understanding of Australian culture, history, news and current affairs, everything like that, okay? So, sit back, grab a cuppa and enjoy the podcast. And if you are a return listener, welcome the bloody hell back. It's good to see you here again. It's a pleasure. So, I've got some news for you guys that I thought we could start this episode with just to jazz things up. You know, just to make them a little bit different, you might say to spice things up. We'll get to that shortly. But I have a little bit of news for you guys. I don't know how many of you will know it. Some of you might if you're following our Instagram channel. Um, But Kel is pregnant again. So, we have a second child on the way. Kel is up the duff. She is preggers. Right, she is pregnant. There's some Aussie slang for you. I think you could say also she's been knocked up. <laughs> this is all pretty informal slang, but there are different ways of saying that she is uh, pregnant. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. And he or she is due in, I think, March, the end of March. So, God, who knows how things are going to be there at the end of March next year, considering at the moment they're up and down like crazy, but sort of working towards that and looking forward to that. Aside from that, um, I've recently hired two people to work for Aussie English. We have now a video editor, so I'm going to try and get on YouTube more often and create more content for you there. So, Francis is a young gentleman from the Philippines who will be editing these videos. He's already done an amazing job with uh, two videos, so I will publish them soon. But welcome, Francis. Thank you so much for joining the team. And we also have Kate who is currently trying out to be the content manager of Aussie English. She's also from the Philippines. So, Kate, welcome as well. Apart from that, what's been going on? I've been trying to hang out with the family as much as possible recently down here in Ocean Grove. As you guys will know, my dad and mum live about 150 metres away and my sister and her partner and their daughter probably about 200 metres away. So, 
as I always say, if a comet were to hit Ocean Grove, our entire family would be gone. <laughs> we're that close to one another. But, um, yeah, we've been trying to hang out as much as possible because Melbourne has been locked down for several weeks now because we've had our second wave of COVID cases. And as of yesterday, when we had a huge spike of, I think, 760 new cases and something like 13 deaths. We've been locked down now in uh, Ocean Grove, the Bellarine Peninsula, Geelong, Colac, and these other parts of regional Australia now too. So, we've no idea when things are going to get back to normal, but I hope that um, wherever you guys are, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Melbourne, whether you're overseas, I hope you guys are staying safe and sound and passing the time, you know, staying sane as well. Staying safe, sound and sane. So, anyway, let's get into this episode, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about the expression to spice things up, to spice things up. I wonder if you've heard this one before. Yeah, I want to spice things up. Before we get into it, let's do a joke, all right? As usual, I've got a joke for you. It's a spicy joke. It's a joke about spices. What happens if you don't properly seal the lids on your spice rack? Right, and a spice rack is usually a wooden shelf kind of thing that you'd, you'll have in the kitchen somewhere in which you can put spices, you know, things like cumin, cinnamon, pepper, salt, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's a rack of spice. What happens if you don't properly seal the lids on your spice rack? You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> And that is time spelt T-H-Y-M-E, which is a spice, <laughs> as opposed to T-I-M-E, right? Mm. All right, that's the joke. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> so, the expression to spice things up. Let's go through and break down the different words in this expression. If you spice something, you know, quite literally, that would be to add spices to food to make it more interesting, to make it more flavorful, right? To make it taste better. And a spice is an aromatic or pungent vegetable substance used to flavor food. Things like pepper, cumin, cinnamon, cloves, thyme, you know, rosemary. These are all different kinds of spices. Things, so spice things up. Things here, it refers to an object or objects that you want to talk about, you want to refer to without actually mentioning what they are. So, you you might hear this in, I don't know, a conversation where someone might come up to you and say, how's things, right? Where they're asking you about how you are and, you know, all the different things in your life, but without having to specifically mention them, you know, instead of saying, how are you? How is your mum? How is your family? How is your house? How is, you know, it's an open question. How's things? You can decide on whatever aspect you want to talk about of your things. And then if we make the verb to spice something up, I want to talk about up here. Up is used in this sort of phrasal verb form to mean to a higher degree, to completion or completely. So, for example, if you wash up, that is that you clean all of your dishes completely. So, you have a meal, you put the dishes out on the table, you eat off the dishes, you know, all the different family members, you clean up, completely clean, you put all the dishes in the sink or in the dishwasher and you wash them up, you clean them up to completion. You might build something up as well, maybe to increase something in degree, right? So, you're building up your strength by going to the gym every day 
and uh, working out. Or you might build up your immunity by taking supplements, right, to increase something in degree to completion. So, the expression to spice things up, I guess if we were to use this literally, you know, you want to spice your food up, it is to add spices to your food to change the taste, to improve the taste, to improve the flavor, right? Spice things up. And I guess up here is being used in a way that is increasing. So, you're increasing the taste of the food. You're making it better. You're making it more flavorful. You're spicing it up. However, figuratively, it would be used to add excitement or interest to something, to anything, right? To make something more exciting, to make it more interesting, to add excitement or interest to something, to spice things up. You could also say to spice it up. And the origin, I'm not really sure. I was trying to look this up, but clearly I think it originates from the idea of adding spices to food in order to make it more interesting and exciting, to make it tastier, right? As opposed to, say, just eating potato by itself, you might add some spices to it to make it more palatable, right? I think that's a word, palatable. Is that like, you know, tasty? So, as usual, let's get into the different examples of how I would use the expression to spice things up. So, imagine that you're a pretty boring politician in Australia. You're always on TV giving bland speeches to the public, telling them about, you know, the new legislation that your political party is going to implement. Most people get bored out of their brains when they start listening to you speak and they either turn off the telly, turn off the television, or, you know, nearly fall asleep if they're forced to listen to your entire speech. So, your assistant might realize that this is happening and decide, you know what, I'm going to try and spice things up for you. I'm going to try and improve your speeches and make them more interesting, more exciting to listen to so that people stay tuned in. So, the assistant ends up adding a few jokes in there, maybe a few anecdotes and spices things up to prevent people from switching off or falling asleep. Example number two. So, my mum is a really good cook. She's a bit of a, a wizard in the kitchen, right? But she has a sort of set repertoire that she likes to sort of stick to when it comes to cooking. So, she has this cookbook that I remember she's always had it since I was a little kid, since I was a little nipper. She's always been cooking the same sort of dinners, the same desserts that she's got in her book there, and she doesn't tend to deviate too much from what she knows how to make. So, when my sister and I were pretty young, we probably got sick of eating the same old thing, you know, the same old dinner, the same old lunch, the same old desserts, and so probably asked her at some point to learn some new recipes. Why? We wanted her to add to her repertoire and spice things up. We wanted her to make things more exciting, more interesting, instead of just having the same old things. Spice things up, mum. Come on. And maybe she could spice them up, in this case, because they're meals, by adding spices to them. Who knows? The last example I have here is a common usage that you will see of this expression in pop culture, in movies, on TV shows, in books. And it is when a couple have been together for a very long time, say they've been married for 10 or 20 years, and their sex life is, you know, close to non-existent. So, there's no more romance in the relationship. They don't make love anymore, not like they used to make love. So, often the cliche is that in order to rekindle their love and find that romantic spark that they once had, they need to try new things in the bedroom, they need to spice things up. So, they have to find new ways of adding excitement or interest to their romantic life. 
maybe go on dates together, watch romantic films together, or in the bedroom do things differently to spice things up. So, there you go, guys. That is the expression to spice things up. Remember, literally, it would be to add spices to food to make it more, you know, tasty or flavorful, or it could be figuratively to add excitement or interest to something, you know, to make something way better to make it more exciting, more interesting. So, let's have a listen to some examples again of how this expression to spice things up was being used and see if you can now understand from the context what is being said. Right? I think it's going to be older people. It's going to be people in their 40s and 60s and, and, and 80s, you know, who finally prefer a little marijuana to that drink in the evening or the sleeping pill or that it helps with their uh, arthritis or diabetes or maybe helps spice up a long-term marriage. We rang Channel 4's production company saying this would certainly spice things up a bit. Many viewers like Gail would be surprised if they knew how much fakery there is in wildlife films. Fakery that goes beyond simple sound effects. Film producers routinely make up fake stories, rent captive animals or pretend they're wild and, and, wild, and use computer-generated imagery to spice up the footage. Good work, guys. Good work. So, now let's go through a little listen and repeat exercise. And this is where you can practice your pronunciation. Remember that if you want to speak out loud, that is what I suggest that you do. And if you need to find somewhere away from other people, definitely do that so that you can speak confidently and really focus on your pronunciation, you know, my rhythm, intonation, connected speech, everything like that. Okay? Let's go. Two. To spice. To spice things. To spice things up. 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 I just want to spice things up a little. You just want to spice things up a little. He just wants to spice things up a little. She just wants to spice things up a little. We just want to spice things up a little. They just want to spice things up a little. It just wants to spice things up a little. Good job, guys. Now, there was quite a bit of connected speech going on there where words were kind of linking together. You might have heard with just and want to 
the T's, both of them, tend to disappear a little bit. So, you, instead of hearing just want to, you'll hear just wanna, just wanna. You may hear a little T at the end of the word just, just wanna. You might hear twana, just wanna, but you also might hear just wanna or just wantsta, just wantsta. And the other thing is linking things up a little, where those consonants at the ends of these syllables are linking to the vowels. Things up a little. Things up a little. Things up a little. So, remember, focus on those aspects of connected speech because quite often when people want to reduce their accent, it's not just the pronunciation of sounds in English. It's things like intonation, rhythm, connected speech. Those things are going to make a big difference too, okay? Anyway, let's go through the Aussie fact and then we can finish up. So, today I wanted to talk about spices in the context of Australia. And I was thinking to begin with, maybe I'll talk about the spice trade initially, where in the 1500s, 1600s and 1700s, we had these vast companies. I think you would, if you were to calculate the value of them, they'd be worth way more than Amazon today. But these companies like Dutch East India Company and the English East India Company or British British East India Company that were trading throughout the East Indies, which is today Indonesia and Malaysia and, you know, that part of Southeast Asia. And they were making loads of money from trading in spices. But then I thought, you know what, I'm going to avoid just doing the colonial European stuff, like always, and look a bit more into Indigenous Australians and if they use their own spices. And obviously enough, you know, there are plants in Australia, Indigenous Australians did have their own native spices from Australia that they used when cooking. So, there are many natural herbs and spices in Australia, as ultimately a herb is just a plant with leaves, seeds or flowers used for flavouring food, medicine or perfume. And Indigenous Australians obviously ate food and had their own medicine that they got from plants a lot of the time, probably from animals as well. And in fact, Indigenous Australians are known to have used native plants like golden wattle for food, medicine, dyes and even perfumes. As we covered earlier in the episode, a spice is any aromatic or pungent vegetable substance used to flavour food, and the term can be applied to any non-leafy range of strongly flavoured dried Australian bush foods. Most of these consist of aromatic fruits and seed products. However, Australia also has its own wild peppers that have spicy leaves. There are a small number of aromatic leaves that come from plants that are used as spices. However, unlike culinary herbs from small plants used by other cultures, in Australia, most of these come from trees that grow in rainforests or open woodlands and forests. They're generally dried out and then ground into a fine pepper or flaky spice and they're either used on their own or blended together and then added to food that is often cooked inside a ground oven. This is where you would, say, start a fire and heat up some rocks, dig a big hole, put the rocks in there with some food that's wrapped up in some leaves with some spices on it, fill the hole in and then dig it up again a few hours later and uh, Bob's your uncle, hey presto, Everything's ready to eat. That's some good bush tucker. 
So, interestingly, when Europeans first arrived in Australia, they used a lot of these spices from the indigenous cultures. In fact, they used them throughout the 18th and 19th centuries. And since then, Australian ingredients and spices have started to become more widely recognised in the bush food industry in Australia and then have increased in gourmet use and export for restaurants. Some good spices to try and keep an eye out for include lemon myrtle, mountain pepper, wattle seed and native mint. You'll easily be able to find them if you do a quick Google search. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode today, guys, and I will see you next time. Stay safe. G'day, mate. Thanks for listening to the Aussie English Podcast. If you'd like to boost your English whilst also supporting the podcast and allowing me to continue to bring you awesome content, please consider joining the Aussie English Academy at www.aussieenglish.com.au. You'll get unlimited access to the premium podcast as well as all of my advanced English courses and you'll also be able to join three weekly speaking calls with a real English teacher. Thanks so much, mate, and I'll see you soon. The clips used in this episode were from Field Sports Channel, TEDx Talks, and the TED Channel on YouTube. If you want to check them out, they're in the transcript and the show notes.